So it is my contention that, well, that's a big word, isn't it? I don't normally talk like that. It's my thought that um, we live in a place and a time and a culture um, where we really don't embrace hard things. We kind of, we want things to be easier. Uh, We want things to be more convenient. We want things to be better, faster. Um, We want everything that we want. We want it now, all that kind of stuff. I've talked to you about that before. But we really don't like hard things. Hard things kind of stink. You know why they stink? Because they're hard, right? Like, so uh, I had a friend of mine invite me to go to a barbarian challenge yesterday. He knew I was going to talk about that today because I experienced this yesterday. So therefore, God spoke to me deeply when I was running through the woods and as I was dying of breath and as I felt like that I was going to pass out at any moment, God was really speaking to me, right? As a matter of fact, I spoke to him while we're uh, running through the hills of Nakalula Falls and up these gigantic hills full of rocks and dirt. And I was asking him why in the world he put so many mountains there at Nakalula Falls. I do not know why he did that. I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to talk about that with him and ask him if somehow he could make that hill a little smaller just so I could get to the top of it. It was a very strenuous day. Uh, it was a 10K, 6.214 miles of running up and down hills. Some of you actually were there. Some of you experienced this. It was a difficult day, to say the least. So God was using that to give me some illustrations. I don't know if it was because I was hallucinating from lack of oxygen or what it was, but God was really speaking to me. So I was, I was looking at, this could be several illustrations, I guess God kind of showed me through that whole race yesterday, but the, the number one thing that I saw from the very beginning is that, that there really aren't a lot of people that like to embrace hard things. Uh, they go, you know, I mean, and, and I was one of those people, admittedly. After the first mile, I was looking at myself going, why are you doing this? This is hard. You dummy, why are you doing this? And, and you know, I could be sitting at home eating a cheeseburger right now, but instead I'm running up and down hills and climbing over tires and climbing up walls. And why am I doing this? This is ridiculous, right? And a lot of people that choose... Uh, choose not to do that because it is hard. And, and I understand that. And I was in that place myself uh, after about the first mile. But then I started thinking about how that relates to, to our walk with Christ. And now I want you to know something. If you thought that becoming a Christ follower, if you thought that becoming a Christian meant that things were going to get easier for you, you're dead wrong. I don't want to sell you on that. I don't want to tell you that, that it's easier once you become a Christian. As a matter of fact, I would say that it's harder to be a Christian. Uh, those of you that have been a Christian for a while can probably agree with me when I say that, that being a Christian is not an easy thing. Um, when I say Christian, I want you to understand that I really mean a genuine follower of Jesus Christ. I don't mean somebody who has, has been baptized. I don't mean somebody uh, who has said a prayer at some point in time. I'm talking about a Christ follower. You know that that's some, something different, right? People call themselves Christians because they have said something, done something at one point in time. And yeah, that was in the past. And yeah, they did that and all that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about somebody who pursues Christ. They call these, in the Bible, they call these people disciples of Jesus, right? So when Jesus, like one of the things that he tells his disciples to do is you are supposed to go and make what? Disciples, right? He didn't say go and make Christians. He says go and make disciples. Therefore, I believe that if we are going to go and share the gospel, if we are going to go and pour into people, it is for the purpose of making disciples and not Christians. I think that people put the label of Christian on themselves when they're not really Christians because they're not really disciples. And I think we can all agree that that's probably the case a lot of times, right? 
Let me tell you that a disciple is going to be somebody that does something hard. They're going to be somebody that embraces the hard stuff. Jesus would teach a lot of very difficult things. Uh, Things that were difficult for them to digest. Things that they didn't really want to hear. Some things that confused them. And you know what? He did this to to his guys. And and he would often look at them and say, All right, look, there's a whole bunch of people here. And a lot of them just left. Most of them just left because the teachings I've been... I've been bringing to you, I've been very hard, and, and he would look at his 12, and he'd go, are you going to leave too? Are, are you going to go too? And, where, and you can go and, and read about this, and John, and he's, he's, he's talking to his disciples, and he's just been talking about being the bread of life that has come down from heaven, and how Moses was there, and there was manna that came down from heaven, and now he is the bread of life, and he has come from heaven. The Father has sent him down from heaven, and now I am the bread of life, and, and you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and these guys are all like, dude, what? Dude, you are crazy, you know? He's talking this stuff to them, and they're just, they're, they're so confused, and, and a lot of them leave, and they, they desert Jesus because what he's teaching is difficult for them to, to grasp and to digest, and he looks at his 12 guys that have basically forsaken everything. They've, they've walked away from their families, their jobs, everything. And, and when Jesus called them to follow him, they just got up from wherever they were, and they went and they followed Jesus. And they left their fishing jobs behind, left their tax-collecting booths behind, whatever the case may be. They left their old ways behind to follow Jesus, to become a Christ follower. Now, after they're following him, and they're listening to his teaching all this time, and all of a sudden he goes... All right, you guys going to leave me too? And they're like, haven't we proved that we're going to stay with you? You know, But Jesus knows what's going on in their mind because they've been kind of bickering back and forth. And he goes, you going to leave me too? I said, where, where are we going to go? We, 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 we believe that you're the Holy One of God. We believe that you have the words of eternal life. And Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, that's good. That's good. But one of you is the devil. Even out of the 12, he had one that was really... They just saw Jesus as a means to an end. They didn't really love Jesus, didn't really want to follow Jesus. He was just there for one reason or another, maybe to skim some money off the, the collection or uh, maybe to, to just get what he could from Jesus, maybe just liked hanging around, maybe to look like he was uh, one of the 12. But even out of the 12 that were so committed in following Jesus, even one of them was the devil. You know, what Jesus teaches is very hard, and what... What you're going to deal with as a Christian is very hard. It's been, it's been suggested before that maybe we shouldn't really say anything about Mother's Day. Or we shouldn't say anything about Father's Day for fear that, you know, there may be somebody here that can't have children. Or maybe they had a child, but the child died. And, and it may stir up some emotions in them. Well, let me tell you something. Life is hard. It's hard. All right? Embrace the hard. Embrace it. My daughter died just a few days before Father's Day. And you know what? That sucks. It really does. But this is what I know. Instead of making me upset, yes, it makes me upset. Instead of eating me alive, you know what it does? It, it, it makes me turn my focus towards Jesus Christ. And my life is hard, but all the hope that I can find is found in you. That's where my hope is found. That's where the joy is found. It's not whether I have kids or don't have kids or any of that kind of stuff. You know where it's found? It's found in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And yeah, life's hard. This book is full of people that went through a lot of hard stuff. As a matter of fact, your Savior hung on a cross. Yeah. The, worst kind of, 
the death that he could have, being beaten and, and the flesh torn from his body. Yeah, it's hard. And sometimes it's unfair. Jesus endured it. You know what? Let me tell you something. Life is hard. It's real hard, as a matter of fact, sometimes. There's a lot of stuff in your life that's going to stink. You know what you're supposed to do? Let me tell you what you're supposed to do. In case you're wondering, what am I supposed to do as a Christian? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Find your hope in him. When he says he's the bread of life, embrace that truth and hold on to that and and, and embrace the fact that he has the truth, that he has the words of eternal life, that he is the Holy One of God, and he's the one that you can have hope in. I know that it's hard. Do it anyway. I think that we have boiled down Christianity to this. We say, be a Christ follower. This is what, because, because in the church, we don't really like to ask people to do things hard either, so... Um, so we say, okay, what is, what is being a Christ follower? Well, don't sin and go to church, right? That's basically, I mean, that's all we require, right? Like, just don't sin. Try your, well, I'm going to sin anyway, so maybe I should just try real hard not to sin and go to church. And that's what we boiled Christianity down to. And if you come to church, that way you can give a little bit of money every once in a while, and, and the church can have more money, and your pastor can have a bigger salary. That's what we boiled it down to. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's the way it is in a lot of churches. Not in this church. I don't get a salary. I don't want a salary. We boiled it down to we just need a bigger group of people to come so we can say that we have the biggest crowd, that we have the most number of people. I, if, that, if you're here for any other reason because, than because you're following Jesus, please don't come back. If you're trying to figure this Jesus thing out, if you're trying to understand what it means, and you're one of these, these people who's trying to become a disciple of Jesus, and the teaching is hard, and you're trying to figure it out, yes, please come back. But if you're a person that's trying to act like one of the 12, just to, just to say that you're a Christian, but you're not really, please don't come back. Please don't come back until you're so convicted about where you are that you understand that you're not a Christian, and then you'll come back and try to figure out what being a Christian is all about. I would rather have 10 people in here that want to follow Jesus Christ than I had 3,000 that just want to blend in. That's the truth. There's something so wrong with being lukewarm, you're just going to screw everything up for everybody else. You really are. I know I sound kind of rough today, but I mean, I'm just just thinking about we, we don't, I mean, we don't like even embracing hard teaching. We'll go to a church that teaches a little bit easier because we want to feel good when we go to lunch so we can digest our food a little easier. When you go out of here, I hope that you are so sick because you've looked at yourself in the mirror of Scripture that you can't eat lunch. That's really what my desire for you is. Because that will benefit you in the long run, not eating lunch. What will benefit you in the long run is when it's Thursday afternoon and you're still thinking about what God has said on Sunday morning. That's what's going to benefit you. I was looking at this race, man, and I was thinking... You know what Christianity would be the, the so 6.214 miles that you run, uphills, doing these obstacles, climbing ropes, all this kind of stuff. I, I think that we boiled Christianity down to this, signing the registration form. And that's as far as we get. That's as far as we get in most Christian churches today. It's not even starting a race. I mean, I mean most of the time it's not even just not even running at all. It's just we want to fill out the registration form. Therefore, I have done my deed. Maybe they'll send me my medal in the mail. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what we want. That's, that's the kind of Christianity we want. Don't ask me to do something hard. I got a question for you. Um, 
whose responsibility is it to, uh, to do the work in the church? Is it mine? No. Whose responsibility is it? Right? It's all you guys, right? So I have a responsibility as a body of Christ. I'm supposed to do some of the work as well, right? All right, so I got a question for you. How, we have a basket right out here that has baptism towels in it. Anytime there's a baptism, there are dirty towels in that, in that basket. Is there anybody in here that can tell me how many dirty towels are in that basket right now? You see the problem? And, and, and the problem is not that you don't want to do the work. If I asked you to do the work, if I told you to wash the towels, you would, you know? The problem is you just think somebody else is going to do it. The problem is you think, well, somebody else will take care of that. Somebody's already got that taken care of. And it doesn't bother us that there may be dirty towels in there. It doesn't bother us at all. We want somebody else to do the work. We want to give a little bit enough in the offering plate so that we can pay somebody else to do it. Maybe we can hire somebody else to do it so you don't have to think about it. I don't think that that's the way that it's supposed to be. Not when I read this book. I mean, you, you can go to another church and listen to somebody else say something that's not God's word, and that's fine, but not in this book. In this book, it says that we are all members of the body of Christ, and we all have a responsibility, and we should all care. And when you follow Jesus, it's going to be hard. So let's see what Jesus says about being a follower, about being a disciple. The cost of being a disciple in Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to be today. I say hard things not just to be hard, but because hard is what it's supposed to be. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 25, it says this, A large crowd was following Jesus. A large crowd was following Jesus. So there's a bunch of people following Jesus. The question is, are they disciples of Jesus Christ? So a bunch of people are following Jesus, and he turns around and he says to them, if you want to be my disciple, what does that mean? It means the people that were following Jesus, not all of them were his disciples, right? Because he's telling them what it means to be a disciple. He's like, you guys are following me. That's great. You're around me. But if you want to be my disciple, one that, that learns and acts and follows the teaching of a teacher, right? That's what a disciple is, right? He says, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison, your father and mother, everybody's heard this, right? So you know what I'm about to say. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So this is what he's talking to his followers about. You've got to sacrifice yourself you got to die to self. Now, everybody thinks that that just applies to sin. Well, that's not true. He's not talking to them about sin. Okay, He's not saying, die to your sinful desires. Although that is part, that is not the main teaching of Jesus right here. What this is talking about is when you see somebody in need, when you see somebody that's hurting, when you see that there's work to be done in the church, that you feel a personal responsibility for that. That God is so real in your life that you see things that you used to not see. 
That things are now different in your perspective. And things are now so changed in your heart and in your mind. You care about things that you used to not care about. That, that, that's, that's what's going on here. You remember the rich young ruler? You remember Jesus has this interaction with him. He said, oh, you know, I want to follow you, Jesus. Yeah, you're a good guy. I like all the stuff that you teach, man. You know, I'm doing some good stuff too. Just tell me what I need to do to inherit eternal life. And he says, give all you got to the poor and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler goes away sad. And is he telling every one of us to, to give away everything to the poor and then we can follow Jesus? No. He might be. But what he's saying is the things you used to care about, don't care about them anymore. You need to come after me wholeheartedly. I need to be the central focus of your life. And this is the problem with Christianity today is that we have not said this. We have not said that Jesus Christ is supposed to be supreme in your life and everything else is supposed to fall below that. We just say that that Jesus is just like something that you add on. You've already got a good life. That's great. But just add this on and therefore, you know, then you're a Christian. No, it's not like that. It's like Jesus and then everything else. Everything else falls below that. So, so when you're running late for work and the Holy Spirit of God impresses upon your heart that you're supposed to go and help somebody change a tire that you saw on the side of the interstate, that you actually do that. Yeah. That the Holy Spirit of God is so real in your life and you're so in tune to talking to Him that you know His voice and you know when He says go and help them change your tire, their tire that you're willing to do that and you're willing to be late for work. Yeah. Am I telling you that every single person you pass on the side of the road you need to help them change their tire? I don't know. I don't know. You should know. Because you're walking with the Holy Spirit day by day, listening to Him, following. Now, the only way that you're going to actually be able to understand if it's His voice or not, let me, let me share this with you, this little tidbit, just from my own experience. The only way you're going to be able to discern His voice is when you actually follow what He says. Then, then God will reassure you through that, oh yeah, that was the Holy Spirit talking to you. There have been times when I have done things thinking that the Holy Spirit was leading me to do them and then turns out that something happened and made me go, I don't think that was God talking to me. That's okay. It helped me to understand his voice. It helped me to, to more clearly and more accurately discern, okay, next time I know this is what God's showing me. This, just because you mess up, just because you get it wrong every once in a while, doesn't mean that it's in vain. It's still accomplishing something. It's still helping you tune into that voice. It's still helping you listen to God and know what he's calling you to do. But he's telling these folks, he's not just telling, hey, don't sin. He's saying change everything about the way that you live. You got, you got to care about people more. You, you got to love people more. That's how you're going to know that you're one of my, my disciples is how you love people. Right. And the more you learn about Jesus, the more you want to know about him. And it's, it's sad, but the only time a lot of people... Hear this word is when I read it to them. So he talks about counting the cost of being a disciple here. He goes, but don't begin. He's actually telling these people that are following Jesus. You would think that Jesus would be like, man, there is a ton of people around. That is good. That is, we, we need you all to bring somebody else next week, and we'll have some more teaching 
And then, and then there'll be an even bigger crowd here, and that'll be good. And Jesus, he doesn't even talk that way. He, does, he, does, he, he would rather have a small group than he had have a large group that wasn't fully committed. He says, but don't begin. He's telling them, don't even start to call yourself a Christian. Don't even start to call yourself a Christ follower, a disciple of mine. Don't start until you count the cost. Until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete the, only the foundation before running out of money that everyone would laugh at you and say, there's a person who started that building but couldn't afford to finish it. So admittedly, when I was on my race yesterday, there was a side of me that said, I just want to lay down here in the dirt and somebody cover me up because I'm so tired and so exhausted. I don't want to run another step, Okay. But I only felt that way when there was nobody watching me. <laughs> you know, if you're out in front of the crowd, you're like, yeah, I can't really stop running right now. And by the way, when the, when the cameraman was there to take my picture, I was like, oh, there's a the cameraman. So then I picked up my pace a little bit, you know what I mean? Like, and I was smiling like, like hey, this has been good the whole time. I've been running like this the whole time. He says, he says who... who who would begin a project without, without first counting the cost, seeing if you've got enough money to complete a construction project? And, and, and then you know, and if you don't complete it, you're going to get laughed at. And, and admittedly, you know, this external focus is a, is a great motivator, right? These other people looking at you is a great motivator. But the problem is, is that if you don't finish, it impacts other people. He says, I don't want you to be halfway committed because if people see that in you, they will see more people that, that, that are like that and they will, they will think that they can be like that themselves. Oh, well, they, they started. They didn't really finish. They called themselves a Christian. Therefore, let me go and do that too. But what if the only people that called themselves Christians were people that fully devoted themselves to Jesus Christ? What if the only people that said, yes, I am a disciple of Jesus, were the people that actually died to self, took up their cross, and followed him? And I don't just mean for a little while. How long do you become a mother for? How long do you become a father for? It says you've got to you hate your own mother and father in comparison to how you feel about me. This is what I find. is People love Jesus, but they only love him for a little while. They're only disciples of Jesus for a little while. Because they hadn't actually counted the cost. When you sign up to be a mother, how long are you signing up to be a mother for? Are you, when you sign up to be a father, how long are you signing up to be a father for? It's for the rest of your life, am I right? That's the kind of commitment you make to become a mother or father. Why do we not make that kind of commitment to Jesus Christ? Let me tell you something. The kingdom of God... As you become a Christ follower, as you become a disciple of Jesus, the kingdom of God is a building that you will never fully complete, but you will always work and build on. Now, I know some of you say, well, that's not real fun sounding. I don't want to start building a skyscraper and then never see it complete. That will really stink. Let me tell you something about being a Christ follower, in case you didn't, I didn't know this because based on what I said already. Being a Christ follower is hard. Being a Christ follower is hard. There are some people that as they're building, they die in the process, which there's a lot of people that fall into that category, right? As they're working, 
you know, they, they can't really lay down their deathbed and say, man, I've, I've really done all these things and I've kind of come to this point of completion where I've done everything I can do for the kingdom of God and, and now I'm just laying in a hospital bed and that sort of thing. But you say, well, you know, here's a seminary student who was two years through seminary, didn't even, and they got killed in a car wreck. And man, wasn't their life a waste? Wasn't their life just kind of a waste and never really got to do any major things for the kingdom of God? Oh, but the people that are watching and seeing that seminary student commit themselves to Jesus Christ and the fact that they're still building when they died. I want to be the kind of person that when, when I die, everybody says, man, he was still building. He was still building. Yeah. I, I don't want to be somebody that, that like, they said, well, he built for a little while. He got the foundation complete, and then he quit. Well, let me tell you something. You need to know this about me. As God leads me in different directions, I'm going to do what God leads me to do. I may not forever be a pastor. I may not forever be the pastor of this church. You need to know that, okay? There are some guys that get comfortable in being a pastor, therefore they want to stay being a pastor forever because they like talking to people and they like the way it makes them feel or builds their ego up. I don't want to be like that, which means I probably won't be a pastor for a long, long time. It's just, I'm just being honest with you here for just a second. That I'm going to do what God's called me to do, and I'm going to go and I'm going to serve wherever God's called me to serve. And I am not going to let my ego continue to be built up and built up because I've been a pastor for 25 years. I'm going to just follow God wherever God leads me, and that's what I'm going to do. Now, some people, that bothers you. Some people say, well, well what's going to happen to Simple Church if you're not the pastor? Well, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, in case you didn't know. It's not Kenny Nix. It's not. So you don't be committed to Kenny Nix, you be committed to Jesus and the church will be just fine. You need to know that. You need to know that. There are too many people that they say, well, I'm not doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing less for the kingdom of God. Not so long as you keep building. Not so long as you continue the construction project for the kingdom of God. It's not always going to look the same. Sometimes you are just going to put together a doorknob, you know what I mean, in this skyscraper that we're building. Sometimes you can complete a whole floor. Sometimes you can complete 20 floors of this, this building that we're constructing, this tower that's being talked about here. Just keep building. It's going to be hard. And I know it's hard to, to continue to build on something. You say, I may never see it to completion. The completion comes when you stand in front of him. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because you kept working. You kept working. Verse 31 says, Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down and with his counselors discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? If he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss the peace with the enemy. It's still... Discuss the terms of peace with the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciples without giving up everything you own. This is what he says. He says, as you're counting the cost, whether or not you should give up everything you own. It would be silly for somebody to go into battle without looking at everything that they had in their arsenal and saying, can we go up against this group? Can we defeat them? Can we accomplish what we're setting out to accomplish? Therefore, once again, counting the cost of being a disciple. And, and let me tell you something. 
that being a disciple is going to be a battle. It's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a war. It's going to look like a race that never ends. But you got to stay in it. You got to stay in it. But you got to know going into it that it's a battle. That's the whole point here. You got to know going into it that it's going to be difficult, that you're going to have a difficult time waging war. And, and it's a battle. If you think about how gruesome and difficult a battle is, man, you need to know that going into being a Christ follower, being a disciple of Jesus, that it's going to be ugly and nasty at times. And you have to do things that, that, man, you didn't think that you'd have to do being a Christ follower. And it's going to be a lot harder and uglier and nastier than you thought it was going to be. And Jesus says, you need to know that going into it. I don't want you getting in the middle of battle and going, oh, no, what are we doing here, man? I didn't know it was going to be nasty. This is a war we're in. And it's going to be that way. And you need to know it. So as I was running the race yesterday, there are these 32 obstacles that you have to go through, right? And uh, if you didn't make it through an obstacle or you wanted to go around an obstacle... You had a wristband on. They take your wristband. Okay, you got to run an extra lap at the end to, uh, as a penalty lap for not accomplishing this obstacle, right? There was one thing that just kind of bum-puzzled me, man. I was so confused by this. Um, there was this guy that was beside me. He was talking to another guy, and he's like, we were looking at this very difficult obstacle that we were going to have to go through, one of the hardest on the course, as a matter of fact. And he said, he said hey, man. You gonna do this obstacle? He says, I don't even have my wristband anymore. You're like, okay. He says, You got your wristband? He said, I didn't even bring it with me. I left it at home because I knew my kids would want it and I knew it wouldn't make it through the obstacles to begin with. And I was like, You started a race knowing that you wouldn't make it through the obstacles. Like, why did you even start the race? Shouldn't you just sat at home and eat a cheeseburger? Like, why are you going to start a race knowing full well that you're going to fail? Like, no, you haven't even seen the obstacles yet, and you're already given up. And some people do this with Christianity. Yeah. They look at Christianity, and they say, man, I hear all those things that Kenny says about Christ being number one in my life and everything else falling down below that, but there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. I'll say that I'm a Christian. I'll get baptized. I'll do this. I'll do that. But reality is... Not even having seen the obstacle yet, they're already given up. They're already given up. And Jesus says, if that's the way you are, I don't need you in my army. I don't need you in my army. One of the things that, that I, I watch a lot of documentaries on, this is something weird about me, is the Navy SEALs. I'm really kind of obsessed with Navy SEALs. Um, and I've been watching Navy SEAL documentaries up until the race because I was trying to get myself like, Come on, man, you can do this, you know, like trying to psych myself up. So let's watch them. And, and like, you know, the percentage of guys that make it in there is so small to begin with. And then the ones that make it through, through BUDS, their training, is even so, so much smaller than that. And you look at this stuff and you look at the training that they're doing and, and, and you think, golly, that's almost inhumane the way they treat these guys, you know. And their whole purpose is, is, is so that they can see if they've got a weakness or not. So they can see if in the heart of battle, if this is somebody I can put my life in their hands, if this is somebody that I can trust completely with my life so that when, it, when it's all of us together, we can say, I can trust that man with my own life. And Jesus, that's what he's teaching us here. Yeah. 
He says, in the heart of battle, I don't need you giving up. In the heart of battle, I need you staying strong so that other people will look and they will stay strong too. Because you know what happens once one person deserts? You'll see this in, in the SEAL training too. Is that all of a sudden, once one person goes up there to ring the bell, to ring out is what they call it, to say that I'm done with training. Some of y'all watch G.I. Jane, you know what I'm talking about. So they, they ring the bell, they, they tap out, they say, I'm done. All of a sudden, you'll see others do it too. It's all of a sudden easier to quit once you see somebody else do it first. And that's the phenomenon of the human existence. That's the way we are, man. Oh, he tapped out, therefore I can do it too. And it becomes this, this sense of uh, just mutiny or, or just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm quitting. And you just see it. It's contagious. Quitting is contagious. Therefore, as Christ followers, we don't need to quit. Yes, you can do something else, but you don't need to quit. When you quit, it's going to have an effect on other people. And it's going to make it easier for them to quit. And Jesus says, I don't need that kind of disciple. I don't need that kind of disciple. 34, verse 34 says, salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good for neither the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. He's talking about salt. And he says that if you're here but you have no savor, if you're here but you're not the salt of the earth that's supposed to, to, to do something good with what you've been given, you see, it's, in, it's inherent to the salt. It actually has a purpose. Salt can season things, right? We all like salt in our stuff, right? And, and it can also preserve things. And in that day and time, it was used mostly to preserve things, to keep them good for a long period of time. So, so salt that, that is good can preserve things. It can, can accomplish things. He says, but if you just got salt, I, I mean, and I'm stealing this from Francis Chan because this is what he said. I, I watched this video of his, and he said, he says, like, Jesus is looking at the manure pile and says, you're going to ruin my manure. Manure can be used to fertilize stuff, and it's good. But if you're just salt and you're added to the manure pile, you're not good for anything. You're just ruining the manure. He says, literally, Jesus is going, get off my crap. You're ruining my crap. You guys are so bad, you would ruin crap. He said, I don't need you that way. I don't, I don't need a disciple like that. And I don't mean to be crude, but I'm just saying that there, there's a lot of people that are like that. They're just adding to the pile. There's no saltiness. There's no savor in their salt. Therefore, they are not accomplishing anything. They're just there taking up space. It's difficult. It's hard. You're supposed to do it anyway. You're supposed to do it anyway. I don't want to sell you on something that's like, oh, man... I've been to churches before where they say, okay, everybody that wants heaven, just raise your hand. Well, who doesn't want heaven, right? Like, we were walking up one hill, and somebody told me, it's like, is there another hill around this corner? And they're like, yes. But this is like walking up to heaven. I was like, are you trying to entice me to walk up this hill? That's, that's a great way to do it. Is this a stairway to heaven? Is this where I'm going up right here? So I was like, I have... 
just this immense feeling of relief when I finally reached it. I said, maybe that's what heaven is like. Just like I finally accomplished the goal. You understand. You understand that that really is our goal. It's the eternal life. It's, 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 it's the one that goes on and on, that is beyond what you can see and what you can hear and what you can feel and what you can touch right now. The greatest experience you've ever had in this world, that is what it means to experience eternal life with an eternal God. And, and there are so many people putting their, 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 their hope and their faith and their trust in what they can feel and what they can touch and what they can see. And it's like, it's got to be beyond that. It's got to be, you got to see beyond yourself when you die to self, when you're willing to go to the cross yourself for the kingdom of God, to follow Jesus all the way to the cross to the point of being crucified and hung on a tree. You, you do that in, 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 with a realization that there is so much more than this. There's so much more than the pain that you feel right now, so much more than the heartache that you feel right now. There's, there's so much more. And if you truly believe, if you truly believe that there is more, then you won't quit. And you won't give up. Quitting is very, very easy. Stopping, walking off, saying, I've had enough, I'm done. It's very easy. Jesus says, if you're going to do that, you're not one of mine. I don't need you to start on the race if you're not going to finish it. So, my question to you is this. The hard things in your life, how do you look at them? How do you look at the hard things in your life? Does it draw you to Christ, or does it make you want to quit? Does it make you more motivated for the kingdom of God and say, I want people to look at me and look at my example and see me running towards Jesus Christ in this difficult, hard time so that they too, when they experience hard times, they will see something that is beyond right here and right now and they will look to eternity too. Therefore, my, my testimony will have an impact on them. Do you look at the hard things in your life as an opportunity for you to have a testimony that will impact the kingdom of God so you can continue to build? That as you go into battle, as you go into war, that you're not going to quit. You're not going to say, I've had enough, so that you will continue on, so that other people won't quit as well. Or would you rather do what's easy? Would you rather go and hear easy teaching? Would you rather go to a place where you don't have to worry about how many towels are in the, the hamper for the baptistry? You have that choice. The people that followed Jesus, they had that choice too. And Jesus looked at them once they all walked away. And he turned around to his 12, his 12 that had lost everything to follow him. He says, are you going to leave me too? He said, you have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? You are the Holy One of God. Where are we going to go? Is that your answer when the teaching gets tough? When the situation gets tough, when everybody else is deserting, walking away, is that your answer? You're the one that has the words to eternal life. You're the Holy One of God. Where else am I going to go? Or are you like the crowd? That once it gets tough, it's so easy just to walk away. 